Good morning. My name is Keith. I'm one of the elders here, and it's great to see you all here this morning. Um, I want to say a word, and I really just want you to just think about it for a minute. When I say the word evangelism, or sharing the gospel, or discipleship, where does your mind instantly go? What do you think? What do you feel? When you hear the word evangelism, how does your heart feel? I know this is different for different people. I've known people, for some, that when they hear about evangelism, or they hear about discipleship, or they hear that the sermon is about Matthew 28, um, they get excited, they get energized, they get fired up, they want to learn more, they want to read more. They're like, let's get to, after church, let's go to the campus and start preaching the gospel on the quad. They're just fired up about evangelism. And that is a blessing to see and be, and, and be engaged with those people. For others, when they hear about evangelism, they're kind of like, ho-hum, apathy, boredom, or even, as I've been guilty of in the past, you know, why are we hearing about this again? Come on, move on. Um, and, for, and for others, emotions of fear, self-condemnation, and grief impact them when they think about evangelism and discipleship. I know that there's a gamut of emotions about evangelism. We hear about it all the time. If you've heard Matthew 28 preached before, you've heard the command to go and make disciples of the nations. And I, wanted, I brought this up, and I, want to ask how, you know, I wanted to bring up how we feel because, guys, I fall more into that third section than any other section. I fall more into the, when I think about evangelism, when I think about cold contact evangelism or sharing the gospel on the quad, or even having an uncomfortable conversation with a coworker or family member, like I, I get tense. I kind of just wrap up. I start to say I don't have the answers. I get fearful. So for those of you, or or I condemn myself for wasted opportunities and and uh, people who've passed. I haven't been able who've died that I wasn't able to share with. So when I come to this subject today, I do not come to you as an expert saying I have all this figured out. Guys, I come to you with the Scripture, but as a man who struggles with fear of men, with fear of what to say to people, fear of not having all the answers, fear of being rejected, and fear of starting conversations that may lead to disagreement. So I come as a student learning and want to bring encouragement to all of us from the Word today. So today we're going to be looking at Matthew 28, 18 through 20. For those of you who love evangelism and discipleship, who are encouraged and energized by that, the text today has important truths to continue that passion and encourage you. For those of you who say, why are we talking about this again? Well, the text today will answer that and will have truths to stir your heart motivate you. For those of you who are fearful at times about evangelism, like myself, the text today has truths that will help you fight your fears and engage your heart regarding evangelism. This morning as we look at Matthew 28, 
18 through 20, we'll see that Jesus is the purpose for our evangelism. Jesus is the one proclaimed in evangelism. And Jesus is the power in evangelism. When I talk about evangelism today, I'm not just talking about cold contact, first conversation, typical evangelistic sharing the gospel with people. When I say evangelism today, I want you to get the mindset we're talking about discipleship. It's evangelism. Discipleship is evangelism. It's sharing the gospel with others, helping them walk in obedience to that. It's what Jesus has given us in Matthew 28. So just evangelism is the process of sharing the gospel, seeing people come to faith, be baptized, and being taught. It's the process of making disciples. I'm going to use those two terms, evangelism, I'm going to use those two terms, evangelism and discipleship, interchangeably because one flows, flows naturally into the next. So let me read from the text here, Matthew 28, 18 through 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit teaching them to observe all I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. Let's bow our heads in prayer real quick. Lord, you give us this, this word in Matthew, your last command given in the book. And Lord, it's a weighty thing to be given, a command to go to the nations. Father, I pray that as we engage your word and we see what you say, Lord Jesus, that our hearts would be stirred, that our, and Lord, that you would speak through your word today to the hearts of the church. Be glorified, Lord, in Jesus' name, amen. So as I said, we're going to look at how Jesus is the purpose, how Jesus is the person, and how Jesus is the power in our evangelism. So first, Jesus is the purpose for our evangelism. How is Jesus the purpose? Well, Jesus gives us the command and says, go and tell people. Jesus, the purpose of evangelism, go therefore, in verse 19, he says, go therefore and make disciples of all nations. Now, for context, this is the end of the book of Matthew. So this is Matthew 28. This is the last thing that Jesus says to his disciples. His ministry is over. He has died on the cross. He has risen again. Some have, They've seen him, some doubt. And the last thing he has, the last thing that Jesus has for the disciples and the author of Matthew wants you to get, Matthew wants you to understand here, is that the mission Jesus equipped them for and is now sending them to do is to go and make disciples of the nations. The church has for generations referred to this passage as a great commission. And we recognize this command was not only given. It was given first to the disciples. But this command was not just given to the disciples, the original 11 or the original 500. It was given to the church. And we see this in the, the book of Acts is the story of this command being obeyed, the gospel being proclaimed, the gospel spreading across the known world. We see this in the disciples. We see this in the converts. We see this in second-generation second believers such as Timothy. And not only do we see it in the book of Acts, but we see it in almost 2,000 years of lives that have been lived out for the cause of Christ 
that people have, that those who've trusted in him and obeyed this command to take the gospel and, and proclaim it to the nations so that we may know the gospel, the good news. This command was given by Jesus. The purpose of evangelism is to proclaim Jesus, and it was given to us by Jesus. Why is Jesus, why do I keep saying this is about Jesus? So often, we make things about us. You know, evangelism can become something that's no longer about Jesus. It's our personal crusade. You know, it's about me. You know, um, so often my fears all have to do with me when it comes to evangelism. And Jesus points the purpose of evangelism to be him. He is the reason and cause, but not only that, he is the subject of our evangelism. So he's the purpose. We go and proclaim the good news of Jesus and disciple those who respond, teaching them to observe all he's commanded them because he commanded us to do so. He calls us to share the good news of who he is and what he's accomplished with the world. And he's given this mission, this purpose to his church, to his followers. This mission that he gives, when he says, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to deserve all I have commanded you, behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age, is a weighty call. It's a heavy call. It needs the body of Christ. It needs the entire church. And for some of us, the call is meant to go overseas, to take the gospel, the nations who have not heard it. For others, it's to translate the word into new new languages. For yet others, it's a call to stay where the Lord has placed them and faithfully work there, in their homes, in their communities, in their neighborhoods, in their families, in their workplaces. And yet for others, it's a call to pray passionately, to give generously, and to love bountifully. This call that Jesus, this purpose that Jesus has given the church, this mission to take, to make disciples of the nations, is the call for a lifelong call for Christians that bids them to be a part of something bigger than themselves. I don't know how much you guys hear this language, but working where I work and talking to the people I talk, I, I've talked, in fact, I have a friend who's, who's joined the army who told me, I want to be part of something bigger than myself. I want to be a part of something that has significance and value. And I turned to him, and he says, I want to join the army. I said, that's great. I am all for you joining the army. That's great, but you realize you're part of the church, and you're a disciple of Christ, and you're proclaiming the gospel. He's like, yeah, I get that, but I want to be part of something significant. And we went back and forth with that a couple times. And I'm like, you are a part of something significant, something eternal, something that matters. And you're a part of the church that has the mission to take the gospel to the nations. And as we do that, as we walk in that faithfully, as we proclaim the good news to others, we are a part of something that changes the world. If we want to have a life that matters, a life that impacts the world, a life that 
you know, we t- our culture talks a lot about how we want to make a difference, how we want to change the world. Well, then let's be a part of the mission of God to make disciples. Because as we do that, as we pursue sharing the gospel with others, seeing them come to faith in Christ, and discipling them, seeing them baptized, seeing them grow in faith and become disciple makers, we're a part of something that doesn't just impact this world, but impacts souls for eternity. So Jesus is the purpose of our evangelism, and Jesus is the, what we evangelize. We proclaim not ourselves, but Jesus, his life, his death, his resurrection. We proclaim salvation that is found in him. We do it because he commanded it. We do it because he and his disciples modeled it, because he taught it. We see throughout the Gospels, the Gospels are stories of people meeting Jesus for the first time and connecting with him and either moving toward him and believing or rejecting him and seeking his death or Ignoring him completely and walking away. Jesus and his disciples modeled this. The early church practiced this. Jesus commanded it. And he brought us together as a church for this mission. He's given us spiritual gifts for this mission, this purpose. And we do it because we cannot help but speak of the one who loves us so much he died for us. So Jesus is the purpose for our evangelism. The purpose of evangelism is all about Jesus. It's not about us. It's not about our agendas. It's not about getting our politics in a certain place or our preferences in a certain place. It's all about Jesus. But it's not only is Jesus just the purpose. He is the one proclaimed in evangelism. So Matthew 28, 19 through 20 says, Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all I've commanded you. Behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. We're called to make disciples of all nations. Jesus says, go. Uh, The term is, is not, yes, it can be said to go means to go to the nations, but it also means as you go. So where you're at, be faithful. As the Lord grants opportunities, as the Lord brings you to different places, be faithful there. But throughout our lives, we want to be faithfully going, and whether it's moving, whether it's um, international overseas mission work, as we go, let's be faithful where we're at to invest in the souls of others to see them come to Christ. And Jesus is the one we proclaim. You know, go and make disciples. Disciples of who? We don't make disciples of Keith or disciples of Ryan, or disciples of Josh, or disciples of, of Jen, or disciples of, of any. We make disciples of Jesus. When, they, when people reject us sharing the gospel, we want Jesus to be the point that they are having problems with, not us. We teach Jesus to others. We baptize them in the name of the Father and the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. We teach the disciples to new disciples, new followers of Jesus, to obey everything that he has commanded. The apostles heard this message on the mountain in Galilee from Jesus himself. 
And they spent the rest of their lives doing so. They were transformed by his, his ministry, by his time with him, with them, by the indwelling of the Holy Spirit in Pentecost and by the mission they were given. They spent their lives on this mission as of many saints from the past 2,000 years. None of us here would believe in Jesus if it wasn't for people obeying this command and proclaiming him. So when we're commanded to share the gospel, the purpose that the command is given by Jesus, he is the reason, he is the purpose for evangelism, but he's also the one proclaimed in evangelism. It's the command is to proclaim Jesus. So evangelism, discipleship, is about sharing Jesus with others. Like I said earlier, it's not about sharing your feelings. It's not about sharing political agendas. It's not about red state or blue state or purple state or whatever colors you can come up with. It's about proclaiming who Jesus is and what he accomplished to those who don't know him. It's about introducing others to the work of Jesus and discipling them. Throughout the, throughout the Gospels, we see individuals meeting Jesus. The woman at the well, Lazarus, his, uh, Mary and Martha. Um, we see the man born blind. We see the rich young ruler. Some are drawn to him in faith and others reject him. In our own day, making disciples, once again, is about sharing Jesus with others. I say this because we have a consumer culture and I am so guilty of this, guys. I want you to hear this is broken. I, I want to have all the right answers, don't you? You want, when you talk to somebody about Jesus, to have all the answers, to have all the apologetics, to have the perfect method, whether it's the exit strategy or sharing Jesus without fear or the fourfold law or the Ten Commandments or the Romans Road, and you can go on and on and on with different strategies. And we want to find the right one for the right situation and share it the right way and it's about me knowing all the answers and me having all the responses and me having the proper strategies and me and me and me and me and me. Man, I hope I don't choke. I hope I don't cough. I don't have to stop and breathe. I hope I can get him have a sandwich in his mouth long enough that I can talk and finish my sentence, finish my gospel conversation. You see what I'm doing there? We take the gospel, we take evangelism, where we're sharing Jesus with others and we can make it so easily about ourselves, about our strategies, our feelings, our words, our opportunities, our fears, our failures, our passions. And this was challenging as I read this because that's me, guys. That's where I fall so often into fear and unbelief. You know, why do I not talk to my parents? about Jesus as much as I could? Why do I not talk to my coworkers? Why do I not be intentional with my neighbors? I can say, oh, they're busy. Oh, it's uncomfortable. It's, it's fear. It's fear. It's unbelief. But so often I want it to be about me. I want to be validated for me. But Jesus calls us to proclaim him. So what would it look like if we focused on him instead all these strategies and all these thoughts aren't necessarily bad, but they can't be ultimate. Jesus is. He's the one we proclaim and teach others about. The challenge that I found, the challenge I give you is, what if we stopped being wor worried and fearful about having all the answers? Instead, help others to meet Jesus. When I, 
as I've been reading through the Gospel of John, I look at John 1, 43 through 51, Philip and Nathaniel. You know, in, in Philip and Nathaniel, Philip meets Jesus and he's excited. And he goes up to Nathaniel and says, We have found the Messiah, Jesus of Nazareth. And Nathaniel's like, Can anything good come out of Nazareth? And Philip is just like, Come and see. Nathaniel comes and meets Jesus, and his life's transformed, and he proclaims, You are the Lord, you are the Lord, you are God. His life is transformed by meeting Jesus. So what if we stopped trying to find the perfect method, and I'm speaking here first to me, of sharing the gospel and having all the answers, and instead just said, would you like to read a gospel with me? I love Jesus, and I want to share him with others, but would you like to read John with me? Would you like to read Matthew with me? Would you like to read Mark with me? Would you like to read the Bible with me? And let the people engage with the person of Jesus. Because he's the one we proclaim. When we get people in contact with Jesus, we all know he's the one who changes our hearts. I know in my heart, in my life, that the gospel was proclaimed to me for years in different ways. and It never connected here or here. I, I thought... I never heard it before I heard it and came to Christ. I realized looking back years later, wait a minute, a bunch of people told me that and I didn't hear them. I was deaf, I was dead to it. But that instead, as I was engaged with Jesus, with the person, he did the work in my heart to bring me to Christ. And I know that for most of us, the story is similar. We heard the gospel many times. We came to Christ at some point. And that may, we may have professed, that's the first time I heard the gospel clearly and understood it. But we heard it many times. It's the work that Jesus did. We proclaim him. He does the work in the heart to make us new by his spirit. So Jesus is the purpose. He's the reason we share the gospel. He's the reason we disciple and make disciples who make disciples. He is the reason that we, he is who we proclaim in evangelism. We proclaim Jesus, not political parties, not agendas, not theologies. We proclaim the person of Jesus Christ. He is the one we want them to hope in. He's the one we hope in. So we've looked at the, the purpose and who we proclaim, how Jesus is our purpose and our proclamation. We want to see how Jesus is the power in evangelism. The power in evangelism. So Matthew 28, 18 through 20, Jesus bookends his command to go to the nations with two very precious promises, or two very precious truths. All authority in heaven and earth has been given to me. In verse 18, in verse 20, I am with you always to the end of the age. These two truths, these two promises our power and obedience for our obedience and living out the Great Commission as lives as individuals and as a church. Jesus says in verse 19, therefore go or go therefore. The therefore is pointing back to verse 18. The root of go and take the gospel to the nations is that he has all authority in heaven and earth that's been given to him. He has it all. 
Jesus has the authority to give the command and the authority of all, over all things. And that is the encouragement and reason he gives the disciples to go. You can go because I have the authority. You can go to these places because I will not leave you. The disciples can have hope and walk in obedience because he has that authority. And we can have that same encouragement, guys. Jesus still has all authority in heaven and earth. He is still at work redeeming the people for himself. As we strive to make disciples, we can see more clearly that he's still at work. Take a moment, reflect how you came to Christ. If you're a believer here, reflect how you came to know the gospel. Just for a moment. Looking back in my, in my story, and I know that I came to Christ later in life. I didn't come to Christ as a young child. But I know that Jesus was at work for years with my aunt praying for me, with my other family members, with VBS teachers. Um, and Jesus was at work in power through the gospel to come to, 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 come to life. I didn't come to, to, to Jesus through a, a, a church service. I didn't come to Jesus through a big tent revival. You know, there was no music. There was no sound. There was no preacher. My story is funny because I was reading a book to try to flee the world. I was looking for entertainment. And I was just... Okay, hey, my friend, I loved Y2K and the end of the world, 2012, you name it, all the crazy stuff when I was a, you know, excited 18-year-old, 17-year-old, 19-year-old teenager. And Jesus, the Lord, Jesus used that to get me in contact with the Left Behind book series. And guys, the Left Behind book series, as much as I don't agree with the theology and the writing is incredibly hammy, has a very, very clear gospel illustration very clear gospel presentation in the first 100 pages. And the Lord used that thing I was not seeking him, but used that entertainment to bring me to Christ. The Lord worked in my life. The Lord, in his power, transformed my heart. And it's mind-blowing. God used left behind for something good other than recyclable material. Forgive me. Some of you may love the books. I read a number of them and stopped. Um, his power is great enough to use all kinds of different methods. His, his promises are powerful so that the people who engaged me with the gospel didn't see me come to Christ. Though my VBS teachers in the fourth and fifth grade taught me about Jesus, though my College friends talked to me about Jesus and had me see the, the preacher on the quad who did apologetics and hear him talk. I didn't come to Christ through those things. The gospel did not impact my heart. I did not understand it. I was not enlightened until God used a silly book, a fiction book that communicated the gospel to impact my heart and life. So God, but God did use those people to get that book in my hand, and afterward to see me discipled, baptized, and taught how to be obedient to Christ. What a great God we serve. Jesus can redeem us. Jesus can save us. Even though the, the method is not perfect, even though the, 
the gospel proclamation wasn't there and I didn't have all the answers. It was the power of his spirit and the power of his gospel that saved. Guys, I want us to be be encouraged by the authority of Jesus we see in verse 18, that he has all authority in heaven and earth. But there's a second encouragement in verse 20 given, where he says, I am with you always to the end of the age. He promises to his disciples he will be with them. Go and make disciples, baptize and teach them, I will be with you. The Great Commission and these dual truths that he shared with his disciples of his authority and his presence took ordinary men and made them into men whose lives changed the world. They took God, the gospel to the nations. Some were martyred early in ministry. Some were killed later for the faith. Only one of the, of the original 11 apostles is known to have died of old age, the apostle John. But truly their lives made an eternal impact. We're here. All of us are here because Christians have been faithful to take the gospel to the nations for the last almost 2,000 years. And our lives can be the same. We have the same promise. That he will be with his followers always to the end of the age. When we go to talk to someone, to read the Bible with someone, when we go to have a conversation with, about Jesus with someone, we can have hope because it's not about us having the right words or us having the right feelings or us having the right communicative abilities. It's about Jesus and he is with us. He is there with us. We can talk about Jesus with our family because he's with us. We can share Jesus with our children because he's with us. He will not leave us or forsake us. The thing is, this doesn't say, what I want you to see here, this does not say, Jesus did not say, I'll be with you until you screw up. He doesn't say, I'll be with you until they don't respond. There are no qualifiers on this, guys. When Jesus says, I am with you always to the end of the age, his commitment is to be with his disciples, with his followers, with those who trust in him as they go and proclaim his gospel regardless of the results, regardless of their fears, regardless of their failures. His commitment to us is ironclad. It's perfect. He hasn't turned from us. He is with us. His presence means that we are able to work through. He is able to work through us and to work through others and work through our conversations with people about fiction literature and our conversations with our children and our, our youth and tots and kids classes and our community groups and our relationships with others. God is able to use those things because he is with us impacts souls with the gospel. He is with us always. Guys, I want this, this, this promise of Jesus, these promises to impact our hearts and our lives. We go, therefore, we go because of his authority. Because of his authority in heaven and earth, we go and make disciples. We evangelize. We see them come to Christ. We baptize we disciple and teach them to obey all that he's commanded them. And he is with us always to the end of the age. So we've seen the purpose of evangelism is Jesus. He's the reason we do it. We see that Jesus is the one proclaimed in evangelism. We see that Jesus is the power in our evangelism. He calls for us 
to go and make disciples or as we go to make disciples. But he is with us in every way in the midst of that. Guys, I, I, I preached about this this morning because I want us to engage with this. It's so easy to look at evangelism and say, well, so-and-so is very blessed in that. And I don't need to do that because they'll do that. No, the call is to everybody to make disciples. The good news is that everybody's different and that's okay. God has given this mission not just to individuals but to the church as a whole. And it may be that, you know, my brother John Mahan was passionately excited to share the gospel in cold contact and invest in just relational ways to talk about Jesus. You know what? It may be that other people in the church are passionate to teach the gospel and disciple others. It may be that others in the church are gifted in Christ-like love, service, and humility so that these new believers can see Christ's life modeled. We're all called to be obedient to share the gospel with others. We're all called to take it as we go to those in our lives around us. But the thing is, it's okay to be different. It's okay to not all of us be gifted, extroverted evangelists. Some of us, the predominant way you'll, you'll share Jesus with people, you'll pray for them. You'll pray for them passionately. You'll pray for other people that are being shared with, and that is glorious. For some of us, they will, they will give. Some of us will go short-term missions. Some of us will go long-term missions. Some of us will come back. The church, that God, God gives us the church because we can't do the Great Commission alone. We need one another. We need one another to model the gospel. We need another to live out the gospel. We need one another to proclaim the gospel and to teach people how to be obedient in that. And the reality is, the truth is, in all this, that Jesus is with us. His authority, his presence is with us as we're obedient. So my hope is as we talk about, as our culture talks about lives that matter, as we, you hang out with young people and, uh, and older people who talk about having lives of significance, my hope is that we'll see that we already have that in Christ. We have lives that matter because we have a mission that matters to take the gospel, the only thing that saves souls, that brings them out of, out of condemnation and into ch being children of God. And we get to take that to others and proclaim that to them and see them saved. Guys, that is a purpose that is eternal, that is valuable. I've, been, I've read, and I don't remember the, the author, but only two things are eternal, the word of God and the souls of men. And the point is, all these things we do, all these fleeting things, all these entertainments and, and politics and, and so many of the, 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 the things of life can become so primary to us but, but God, but the souls of men have eternal significance. As we proclaim the gospel to men, women, and children and see them saved, we're doing something that echoes through eternity.
We know that the mission of Christ is not yet finished. He has not yet returned. And until that time, our admonition is to continue to go and make disciples of all nations. Baptize him in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach him to obey all that he has commanded us. And behold, he will be with us always to the end of the age. Let us do this together as a church. Let us strive to engage others with the gospel, see them grow in faith, and rejoice that God is using us. Maybe it takes a while. Maybe it's uncomfortable. But he is with us and he will never forsake us. Let us pray. Father, we thank you for the good news of Jesus. We thank you for the salvation that's found in him. Father, we thank you for his body broken on the cross, his blood shed for us. Father, I pray as we look at the Great Commission that the encouragement we have would be that Jesus is the reason. Jesus is the one we proclaim and Jesus' power is the one that does the work. Lord, help us to walk as, as believers in obedience to this as a church, as a body, as a family, recognizing that no one of us can do this, but we all do this together with different gifts, with different abilities, investing and caring for the souls of others so that they may come to know and love you. Father, I pray that we would sow bountifully. Lord, I pray that you use us and our gifts to reap 36 year, 100 fold for the cause of your gospel, for the cause of, uh, of souls knowing and loving you. Father, we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.